I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and now, part two of our two-part series covering the Stop Cop City movement taking place in Atlanta, featuring our guests, Marcus Coleman and Queen Yanajaha Lone Wolf. I am your host, Ramses Ja. Um, uh, Marcus, it seemed like you wanted to chime in there. I, I want to make sure I get all your thoughts, too. Um, you know, we're talking about, this is back to your question, you know, which was, rhetorical for you but i know for the listeners right uh what is wrong with that we're we're in the we're in arguably the birthplace of the civil rights movement we're in the birthplace of reverend dr martin luther king the the uh ambassador or or or, or sensei of peace mm -hmm. uh we love to in in atlanta and, and in georgia we love to talk about dr king but we don't like to practice what dr king preached mm -hmm. um the erection of such a facility it just seems uh wrong for a city with so much historical black history uh, and that history, which helped this nation uh, considering accountability being at the top of the list uh, uh, for the public as it relates to police, considering uh, the different laws that have changed, the different statutes that, that, statutes that have been altered. Um, Yanajaha spoke about it. Atlanta closed its main homeless shelter up under the um, leadership of then Mayor 
Muhammad Kasim Reed. I know that might throw some of your listeners, but his first name is literally Muhammad. For whatever reason, he felt the need to run with his middle name. But he is the one that closed this main <laughs> shelter. And now all of the with the proposal that there be many shelters erected uh, across the Atlanta metropolitan. And, it, it, and, and that has not happened. So you have. Uh, Atlanta uh, 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 involved currently in mass gentrification, the the black Mecca, uh, the city that's too busy to hate uh, is losing its grip. We have literally lost our way. And in my opinion, uh, a lot of it has to do with the great migration to Atlanta and Atlanta is the new Hollywood, ATL would. There's no foundation of black excellence. Um, So I just wanted to make sure that that's understood. Those of us who are from here, uh, those of us who were raised here, uh, uh, those of us who have watched the shift from black excellence to coonery and buffoonery, um, it's not happenstance that five Negroes voted for this. And like Yonanja High stated, two of them being legacy children, um, we love to talk about Atlanta as if this state is blue. And I have to say this every time I say that uh, I could care less whether you're Democrat, Republican, blue or red, Pyru or Crip. I'm about your policies and your character. But we have this facade that we're throwing across the nation as if we are just this progressive state. When truth be told, we can't even get Confederate racist generals sandblasted off of the largest Confederate monument in the world. Why? Because it is protected by the Georgia General Assembly. Listen, I close or pause with this. <laughs> what was it? Amarosa. She had a popular song. Uh, I don't want to call her one hit, but that's the only one I know about. You know, uh, all these different cities are not Atlanta. College Park is not Atlanta. Well, here's a better one. Georgia is not Atlanta. Folks get it twisted with this redneck racist red clay state truly is about. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we're caught in this bubble. Uh, but 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 the problem is, Georgia, this is being pushed by the, 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 the governor at the top. This is also being pushed by the mastermind. I might call him in this respect, Mr. Wilkinson, who is the president of the Atlanta Police Foundation, a former Secret Service agent, who I might add, the Atlanta Police Foundation before 2020 was a mediocre as far as money-wise and their participation level. On the heels of 2020, corporations started flooding this foundation with money. And now, currently, they are the second most powerful police foundation in the nation behind only New York City. All of that is because of the work like Inajaha, myself and others were doing directly here in Georgia. And this is a top city is an erection of their fort for the resistance against yeah, the resistance. Their response. Sure. sure. So, um, you know, there's there's something about this that. I I, I think. I, I want to make clear for folks. Because, you know, you mentioned Dr. King yeah. and. Something that I came across not too long ago that was very interesting is that Dr. King's approval rating from white people when he was alive was 20%. 80% of white people opposed his views and his policies and his thinking, et cetera. But critically, black people were also at the same rate. 
Twenty percent of black people approved of Dr. King's policies. Eighty percent opposed them. And it wasn't until after he had died that people began to realize exactly what he was about. And so the reason I say this is because for me, when the idea of defunding the police, when when you look at the history of police and how police funding has increased and how police have become militarized, they were able to procure weapons after Desert Storm that were war weapons, war machines, you know, tanks in the middle of cities. Say again? 1033 program is what it was called. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Um, So to see this, this shift in policing culture, now the Punisher logo is kind of central to police uh, recruitment in, in certain parts of the country. And, and, and in my belief and other people's belief is that that attracts a person who has a predisposition to violence. You know, people cite numbers for police saying that they're more violent and they beat their wives at disproportionate that's numbers correct. or something like this. Um, and that's a response to the stress of the job. And there are people, myself included, who would push back and say, no, that job simply attracts people who have a predisposition to violence, right? So when there's this movement that to a person like me seems linear, seems logical, right? Uh, Police are a reactionary effort to deal with criminal activity. A crime happens and then police drive there and try to figure out how to prevent it from happening again or something like that. You know, on its face, it, it makes sense to try to prevent the crime from happening in the first place. And so far, some of the ideas that have been pushed forth underneath the defund the police movement have a, a, a degree of merit, in my belief. But because we've been trained to uphold police, to support police, we've been trained to oppose policies that are too progressive too soon. This is why I was citing Dr. King's uh, approval ratings when he was still alive. Um, You end up with situations like perhaps what's happening right now with respect to Cop City. There are people who push back against something that, you know, as you stated, doesn't really make the most sense if what you're trying to do is prevent crime from happening in the first place. If you're trying to further militarize a police force with a culture of violence and lying and cover ups and and criminal activity, let's be honest. then Cop City works great if that's what you want your future to look like. But if, if, the, if the effort is indeed to prevent the necessity of crime, then you need better health care. You need shelter. You need economic opportunity. You need all these things that have been shown. Even, even uh, child care has been shown to have a positive impact on crime rates. And, and so far, the investment in police, fiscal investment in police has not. Has an, it has only militarized the police further and, and pushed a further divide between um, the haves and the have-nots. And so, you know, I, 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 I invite both of you. Uh, we'll start with you, Yanasha. I, I invite both of you to respond to that. But uh, before we close, I want to make sure that you also let folks know if they've been moved by this conversation and by, indeed, the movement on the ground there in Georgia, how can they support you? So uh, I'd like to get your response first, Yanajaha, and then we'll we'll close with you, Marcus. You know, um, yeah, you know, one of those things is that what a lot of people are like, well, the crime is going up, you know, and we need more police, and and uh, and I think that's just a constant. Or it'll be like, well, when something happens to you, who's gonna you're gonna call the police, you right. know? Yeah, um, I've heard that argument. Tax, 
Yeah, and our tax dollars do go to it. They're supposed to do their job, which is protect and serve. They're not supposed to shoot and kill. They're not supposed to be warmongers and 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 trigger happy racist bullies officers, and, yeah. bullies and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then, so there's a culture that has to be decolonized because, as we know, police were slave patrols. Let's look at the root of where the police come from. Sure. Now, of course, I have you know when you come here to Atlanta, you see a lot of black officers, but guess what? They're thinking blue. They're mm-hmm. acting blue before they're black. Mm-hmm. And so, and and so that's a it, blue is its own entity. It's its own culture, and that's exactly what they teach when they when you first get going to become a police officer. They're giving you this amazing now. They're giving out you know like you you could make a hundred thousand a year and more with great benefits. So some of them are just like, all right, you know, I, I barely do my job now. <laughs> mm. We see a lot of officers just hanging out, really, you know. But then you got those like you're saying that it's attracting, you know, those that are that that have played Call of Duty all day, and their parents are like, or their husband, I mean, their wife or husband is like, stop playing this video gaming and go become a police officer. So they're using that same thing. But I was a part of the police accountability task force, um, which was, and that's one thing cities love to do. They love to put together a community task force to give them suggestions. Um, Well, here in Atlanta, they haven't applied any of the suggestions, even even when I was a part of it with Mayor Keisha Bottoms, with Mayor, even with um, Mohammed Kasim Reed had, I believe he had a couple of task force and those wasn't applied around the police. They don't apply it around the other stuff. But when it comes down to police training, accountability, where the community can say, this is what we believe, this is how it should be trained. And even with this new mayor, um, Andre Dickens, he's put together a a uh, cop city task force. And there's already been people that's like, uh-uh, I'm not going to be a part of this because this is all, I mean, they they don't, some of them are saying like, we're not even, they're not even listening to us. It just looks good for, you know, it just looks good for optics, you know? And so I, we have to really look at, we love to push the vote. We love to say, go vote, go vote, go vote, go vote. And I, and one thing I've noticed here in Georgia, man, the voting machine and the money that goes into these organizations to push people to vote is amazing. But when it comes down to educating people on who we're going to vote for is a whole nother thing. And we have voted personality. Even if you look at Trump being president, former president, personality, mm-hmm. Biden was because it was opposite of Trump, you know? Yeah. We have to get really smart on who we're voting for, who we're putting in these positions. And then we also have to do our research on who's funding their campaign. And that's really who's funding, you know, police training facilities like Cop City. So no matter how much we have outrage and everything like that, they when what I've noticed last week was that they listened to their funders. They did not listen to the people. And that's the part that's really sad is that they listen to them. So action steps is we go to colorofchange.org, type in Stop stop Cop City, and let's divest from these funders. These funders are Waffle House. These funders are Coca-Cola. Even those that have donated to the Police Foundation that are thinking that they're doing a great job. Well, right, well, we already see right now, they already killed 
one of the force defenders. They are already um, illegally putting, you know, in um, jailed people and said that they are domestic. This is all funded by the same people. So even though Target, Waffle House, Coca-Cola and the and the whole bunch other are thinking, oh, I don't have nothing to know. You finance that. So let's go ahead and start divesting if you guys want to help. And if you feel that this is only happening here in Georgia, and the quote of the great Dr. King, when you see injustice in one place, it's injustice everywhere. Mm. And all of it, if built, if built, pops from all across this nation. Yes, every city has a uh, has a police training facility. But the way that Trump was talking yesterday, this is going to be the mecca. <laughs> The Mecca, the resort, the big shebang of all police training facilities. And they already are working on contracts and everything for police and military to be coming down here. They're already working with the FBI. Working with, they want this place to be the big resort for coming out here and playing with all of their toys. And it's going to be more of an emphasis on that than it is about training and pulling that blue culture away from them. Sure, sure. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out. With BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. What's up? You know who it is. It's the one and only DJ Screen, one-third of the Big Facts Podcast. Big shouts out to Big Bank. Big shouts out to Baby J. You're listening to the Black Information Network. June is Black Music Month, so make sure you listen to our podcast on the Black Effect Podcast Network or iHeartRadio app for stories from some of your favorite artists. Today we are joined by Marcus Coleman and Queen Yanajaha Lone Wolf on the Black Information Network for our conversation on the movement to stop Cop City. Marcus, I'd love to get your your final thoughts and, and ways that people can support uh, the Stop Cop City movement. Um, first of all, people, you know, they act as if uh, this is a done deal. Um, they've been acting in that fashion, even uh, when the folks that Yanaja House spoke about, shout out to the forest defenders, myself, shout out to the community builders, shout out personally to Kamal Franklin, uh, shout out to uh, those who were a part of the resistance before, quite honestly, the collective of the black community before we actually got on board. Uh, there's some reasons for that. Some say the messaging was just totally an environmentalist message, but even to that, uh, who gets affected by environmental issues more than folks of color and black folks, to be put it plain. Uh, 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 Dr. Jacqueline Eccles is a comrade of ours, and she states eloquently that this is environmental racism. So I just say that, you know, for us as the black community to understand that even in environmental issues, my mentors tell me all the time, environmental justice is social justice. But we knew that we were stepping in front of a moving train. I mean, these are some seasoned folks that we have spread out. Uh, and uh, and there's such a broad coalition of multiracial, multigenerational, multicultural uh, with deep pockets and lawyered up. Uh, so with that said, people need to go to CopCityVote.com. That's CopCityVote.com. We have launched a referendum campaign um, on Monday, uh, a week from a week ago today, um, many of us stood while we had an individual, an individual. Let me give her the proper respect. Commissioner Mariah uh, a Parker out of uh, out of Athens, the young sister that was sworn in on the Malcolm X uh, autobiography instead of the Bible. And it just drove people insane. Uh, that sister was filing the verbiage for our referendum campaign. And while we were giving our press address, she came out and handed the speaker uh, the filed verbiage. Uh, what that means is they have five days, so we should be knowing something pretty soon, um, to confirm. This is not a approval process. This is a confirmation on the verbiage is accurate for a record for a referendum. Let me be clear because people again can go to cop, to cop city vote. You can see all of this, but it is basically uh, should Atlanta have this lease agreement and should Atlanta spend $67 million of taxpayers money. That is what we want on the ballot in November. But let me be clear about the process. Uh, once that verbiage is confirmed, 
and stamped. We then have 60 days, 60 days to secure 15 percent of the voting population. And to be more specific, you had to be registered to vote in the last mayoral election. That's roughly 70, 75,000 signatures, which is 60 days is not an easy uh, campaign. Uh, I want to put all the strategy out, but uh, there's a huge fundraising campaign that's taking place right now. We plan on securing uh, 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 firms that do this work on a daily basis, and we plan to secure double the amount because we know that the BS is going to be in play when we submit these signatures. Once we submit these signatures within 60 days, the city has a grace period where, of course, they have to verify if each signature is authentic, which it will be. Once that day comes, by law, it must go on the November ballot. Some will tell you that, well, once they approve the funding, it is full steam ahead. We're cranking up the tractors to get started on the project, to finishing the project before the November ballot. Well, again, I told you about we're lawyered up. So there's talk about injunctions being filed to stop this process. So, again, go to CopCityVote.com. This is far from over. We know Based upon the polling that's been taking place for over two years, we know and they know that if it gets on the ballot, Cop City is done. So uh, I don't want to talk cocky. Uh, and it's not. It is just we've never had a movement, a perfect storm with so many folks gathered around a common denominator. And it is sad that. In the city too busy to hate the black Mecca in the height of police with their boots on our neck and putting the holes through our skulls, that black leadership from the mayor to the legacy children to the others on council would even put us as the people in this position to have to fight. But uh, as some young folks say, we're here for it. Hey, let's go then. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, make sure you shout out your social media, both of you, so that um, folks can keep up with you personally uh, and any other advice you might have. Yeah, it's um, Queen Y-O-N-A-S-D-A. Queen Y-O-N-A-S-D-A. I'm the only Yanajaha in the world. Um, if you Google me, don't believe all the hate, but believe the love and follow me. <laughs> hey, I love you. That's all I mean over here. So. All right, Marcus, let's get your social media as well. Uh, Instagram, uh, Marcus T. Coleman, M-A-R-C-U-S-T-C-O-L-E-M-A-N. All right. Well, I'd like to thank you both for uh, coming on the show and explaining this, uh, not just to our listeners, but to me. Uh, and, of course, letting us know how we can help. Um, once again, uh, my guest today is Marcus Coleman. And, of course, always family, Queen Yanajaha, Lone Wolf. Thank you both. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you 
and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.